Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts of your faithful people with the power of your love, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. The Sunday after Easter always propels us into a locked room, tucked away, hidden from society. Ironic, really. The Sunday after Easter should be a joyful time, carrying on like we did last week about how we have seen the Lord and the fact that Christ is risen, he has risen indeed, followed by countless alleluias. But for some reason, all of Jesus' followers are in a locked room. All except for Thomas, we're told. Thomas was the man who probably loved Jesus more than any of the other disciples. Maybe he was younger or shorter. There's this term of affection that people call him, Didymus, twin. We don't know why. But Thomas's character is really one of love and commitment to Jesus. But he's not there. The other disciples meet, and Jesus appears and breathes the Holy Spirit on them. He was indeed with them. He gave them power to do his ministry. But Thomas was not there. Thomas got the raw deal. Even Peter and John, the disciples whom Jesus loved, were there. Last week, when they discovered the empty tomb, what did they do? They went home. Mary Magdalene was the only one who stayed. She told everyone else she was the one who saw Jesus first, and she's the one who went and told the others. So when Jesus appears this week, the first time, To all of his closest disciples, sadly, Thomas isn't there. The one who actually exclaimed in John chapter 11, let us also go down to Judea so that we may die with him. This person doesn't get to see Jesus this first time. What a bummer. Before Jesus died, he told his disciples that he was going to his father's house to prepare a place for all of them. Naturally, no one knew what Jesus was talking about, and no one knew what to say, but Thomas was the only one bold enough to ask, the only one who was totally honest. Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? He was the only one who could speak definitively for the whole group. But in this first collective encounter with the risen Christ, with the disciples, he's not there. So the disciples gathered again a week later, and this time Thomas is with them. And Jesus appears again, and he goes right over to Thomas. And if you translate word for word what this reading says in Greek to English, it says something like this. Throw your hands here and look at me. Throw your hands into my side and you'll see that I'm real. Don't be without belief. 
believe. Have you realized that at this point before this, no one had touched the risen Jesus? No one. Jesus told Mary Magdalene last week not to touch him. In today's first encounter, Jesus shows the disciples his hands and his side, but no one was allowed to touch, only to, as the reading tells us, receive the breath of the Holy Spirit, but no touching. Today's episode is different. The one whom demonstrably loved Jesus about as much as any of the disciples, Thomas, he's the one that Jesus picks to show the others this isn't a vision this is real. Thomas's unbelief gets a really bad rap in church history. His honesty is necessary because I don't know if we would have received these resurrection stories as well without the Gospel of John writing about Thomas. There's a sense of reality that we get from his honest approach to his faith. Ultimately, this helps the story, the entire Christian story. It makes it much more hopeful. I'll bet you can name a time when you thought you were doing the right thing, working hard, treating people well, praying fervently about something, and for whatever reason, it didn't materialize. Another group was picked instead of yours. Your project at work was somehow overlooked. The school you wanted to get in picked other students. The church you grew up in didn't want you. Any portion of these could cause us to lose heart. It could actually lead to us losing either part of our faith or all of our faith. But the truth in today's gospel is that God is faithful. God remembers you. God remembers you and me. Jesus remembers Thomas and lets him unpack not only the spiritual reality of being raised from the dead, he is the key witness to the physical reality at a certain place, at a certain time in human history that, yes, most definitively, Christ is raised from the dead in body, mind, and spirit. Jesus didn't let Thomas down, so why the heck is God going to let us down? Today, we celebrate baptisms of children. In these baptisms, the children are touched by God, by the waters of everlasting life through Jesus. And in these baptisms, the physicality of God is revealed to the children through the presence of clean flowing, refreshing H2O. And the witness to the work of God and the presence of Jesus living and moving and acting comes to us by the actions of the parents, bringing their children here into our community to help us see that God's work has never ceased and that the new creation Jesus calls us into being over and over and over again in the New Testament happens again today right in front of our very eyes. 
Do we have this all figured out? No, not really. Neither did the disciples. If you want to know why the resurrection is so mysterious, besides the fact that it defies logic, read the accounts in all four Gospels. They're all completely different. They all say different things. Everyone's experience was their own, and they had to put it in their own words to witness that their experience was real. But today's experience of Thomas and Jesus helps us see that God wants our honesty. God wants our desire to know God and to love God more, even at times when it's really tough because we feel like we're getting the raw deal, that we're not measuring up, that we've somehow been left behind. The resurrected Jesus is calling you to bust out of that locked room that we dwell in, just like the disciples dwelled in, to bust out of the confines of a heart that has a hard time imagining a God so big, so gracious, so loving, so generous that our imaginations of this God can't be contained. To bust out of the idea of a rule-bound creator that insists on strict compliance or else our well-being is put into question. To bust out of being a faith that exists only for ourselves or our families, and to see that this new, continuous, free, and liberating life is for every single human being that we've ever known and every single human being who has ever been created or whoever will be created. Resurrection life is large life. Locked rooms of fear don't proclaim resurrection for ourselves or for anyone else. After this story, the disciples never met in a locked place ever again. John has them reuniting in the next story along the Sea of Galilee in the wide open, in an expansive place. Because of Thomas, we don't survive in locked rooms. We are able to live and to thrive in an expansive place larger than the biggest Arizona sunset and greater than the beauty of the Grand Canyon in a more joyous way than all of the celebratory events that we've ever had in our lives. Easter and resurrection are bigger. And it's not just a spiritual experience, it's a physical one, too. How do you unlock your door of fear? How do you imagine an expansive God bigger than your understanding? How do you bust out into larger life, into a more perfect freedom, this Easter.